I want you to know that if there's one thing that is certain, that is, if you're not in trouble now, sooner or later you're going to get in trouble. (laughs) Because life is made of a cycle of trouble and triumph. But the great thing about Psalm number 3 is this. David teaches us how to have triumph in the midst of trouble. How to be triumphant despite of trouble. Instead of trouble. The scripture said, Many are the affliction of the righteous, but that's not where it stops. For the Lord delivers him from them all. And therefore, I want to set first of all the context of Psalm 3, the historical context. King David had fled his palace at that time, and he fled out in the middle of the night. David crossed the Kidron Brook with few faithful friends who went out with him in order to hide from the fury and the anger of his rebellious son Absalom, who wanted to take over the throne of his dad. And to put it mildly, David was in deep trouble that night. He was in trouble emotionally, because as a father, his heart was literally breaking in two. He wants to discipline his son how to do it without destroying him. Spiritually, he was in trouble because he could not understand why is this happening to him. Socially, he was in trouble because Absalom has managed to entice a large number of people to follow him and turn against the king. And he could not lead effectively. Psychologically, he was in trouble because some of his good friends turned against him and went out with Absalom. And that's what you call a real Milox moment. But David knew how to spell relief. And it wasn't raw aids either. Before I get to the psalm, there are two key words that I want to explain them to you. Then I'll get to the psalm. Those two key words unlock that psalm for us. The first one is in verse 2, and it's a Hebrew word, Nigainoth. And that word means to strike out, or to give wounds. And King David has been smitten. How has he been smitten? He's been smitten by their words. And what were these words here? In verse 2 he said, they were saying that there is no help for David and the Lord. The word help literally translated salvation. And they were saying there is no help, there is no salvation for David in the Lord. God is not going to save him. Wounds made by the sword, will heal quickly. But the wounds that are afflicted by words, wounds that are afflicted by the tongue, fester the soul, it scars the mind, and it ends up with bitterness in life. Remember that when you're having a discussion with your spouse. (laughs) Remember that when you're talking to your children. Satan is described in the book of Revelation as the accuser of the brethren. He kills people with words of division. He kills people with words of discord. And when you and I speak words of division, speak words of discord, knowing it or not, we are being the tools of the devil. We are used by him. We are being Absalom in the household of David. Now, sometimes God permits the smiting in order to discipline us, as we heard from the Hebrew passage. 
in order to use us more mightily. I think of when there's a guitar player who picks up the guitar, especially if somebody knows how to play the guitar, picks up the guitar and plays, what he does, he smites those chords. And when the sovereign hand of God picks up your soul and smite those chords, out of the smiting of your soul gushes out music that makes the very angels of heaven silent. Why? Because you are being an instrument of God's hand. Do you feel the Lord smiting you right now? Rejoice! That is a sure way to know that you're His child. Hebrews said He'd only discipline those whom He loves. And He is making music out of your soul. He's making music out of your life. The second word is the word selah. And you've probably seen it all over the Psalms. It's repeated a lot in the Psalms. The word selah, it is three times mentioned in this particular Psalm, Psalm 3. Now the word selah has two possible meanings. One meaning is this, to lift up or a crescendo making music. So David is playing this psalm softly, and all of a sudden, wham, he is cracking the crystal. The second meaning is this. It is a pause for reflection. Like, what do you think of that? Verse 2. Many say there is no salvation for him in God. Selah, what do you think of that? In verse 4. I have cried to the Lord, and he heard me in his holy hill. Selah, what do you think of that? Or in verse 6, salvation is in the Lord, Selah. What do you think of that? Why? Because salvation is only in the Lord. There is no salvation in the church. There is no salvation in the pope or bishop or priest or pastor or minister. Salvation is only in the Lord. There is no salvation in good works. Salvation is in the Lord, Selah. Salvation is not in baptism, Selah. It is only in the Lord. For there is no other name given unto men by which they'll be saved except that name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, now that I've said all this, I better start preaching. Psalm 3 divides itself into three sections naturally. The first two verses, verses 1 and 2, talks about David's trial. Verses 1 and 2. Verses 3 and 4, David's trust. Verses 5 to 8 is David's triumph. In David's trial, as he writes this psalm, remember, he's in full flight. He's not sitting on the throne. He's not surrounded with his staff. He's not in the comfort of his home. He's out in the desert. He's out in full flight from the face of Absalom, his rebellious son who had seized the throne by now. And he's contemplating the execution of his father. So what does David do during this time of trial? What do you do during the time of your trial? When you're in trouble, what do you do? Well, three things. Number one, get away from the conflict. Number two, get together with trusted friends who love God, who know God. Thirdly, get a good night's sleep. That's exactly what David did as you'll see in the psalm. Now the people who have left with David, they've left in the middle of the night. And when they left, they were sobbing. You know what? I could hardly imagine anything in the world that's worse than a son plotting to kill his father. It's mind-boggling. You can't even imagine it. You can't even think it. 
And that's where David was. So in Psalm 3, it is a scene of a campfire. David sitting with his friends around the campfire. His faithful friends. There was Joab. You read about Joab, David's friend. He was the commander-in-chief. He is a soldier. And the job of the soldier is to fight. And the great general of the New Testament, Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6 and 12, he said we are to fight the good fight of faith. He tells us in 2 Timothy 2 and 3, he said to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We don't hear much about enduring hardness for Jesus' sake, do we? We're too soft, we're spoiled, really. Success and wealth, name it and claim it. But like it or not, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are enlisted in God's army. We are drafted to be soldiers in the army of God. We are in a boot camp of faith. And you had better learn to know how to fight. Because there are only two people in that camp. Either the victor or you're going to be a victim. When Satan, your enemy, attacks you, you don't have time to go out and get a a series of six tapes to listen to on demonology. (laughs) You've got to be ready because when he comes in at your blind spot, you're ready to get him back. But the power of God. Listen to what the scripture said. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? Because that is the only thing that's going to help you to overcome. Thy word have I hid in my heart. You hide the word of God in your heart so you can hit back. And you are in one of the two sides. The victors or the victims. Now I want you to hear me right. I don't believe you can take a bold stand on both sides of the issue. You can be all things to all people. You can't preach that if you repent to a certain extent, you'll be saved to some degree. You have to take a stand on what the Word of God said and let the chips fall as they may. And we know what they fall. Because God has given us the power to pull down strongholds. And we can pull down strongholds as we war against the devil. Strongholds of abortion, strongholds of witchcraft, strongholds of the spirit of Jezebel, strongholds of homosexuality, strongholds of all the morality that is decaying this nation, the immorality. But you know the good news is that we are on the winning side. That's the good news. God has already promised us the victory, so fight to win. Don't ever go to spiritual warfare when you're not sure, when you're even hesitant. But fight to win. Back in the campfire, (laughs) there was Joab, the soldier, and then there was Benaiah. Benaiah is David's friend since his youth. He, like David, killed the lion. Do you have lion-killing friends? Well, you better get some. Because when Satan, your enemy, comes at you roaring like a lion, you're going to need some good friends who know how to kill lions. Then there was Abishai. Abishai was David's nephew. Now, Abishai, if you read in the Samuel books about his life and what he has done with David and for David, I think he's a prototype. He is a forerunner of Rainbow. He killed 300 men in hand-to-hand combat, just in one battle. David looked at the warrior friends, he looked at these combat veterans that he has with him, and then he looked up to the stars. He looked up to the stars, and when he looked up to the stars, he began to remember. He began to remember his full flight from Saul, when Saul was chasing him like you would chase a fox. Sometimes, 
the Lord forces us to look at the past in order to appreciate the present. Do you remember your first house with indirect lighting? Uh, You may not want to confess to that. You know, when the moon shines on the garbage can and ricochet in the house, as they call indirect lighting. Remember your first car? I remember mine. (laughs) Four May Pop tires. (laughs) That's the brand name because they may pop any time. My car was the kind of car that you step on the brake if you want to turn right. I I still do that, but uh, it's a better car. You know, a smoke bomb on four wheels. When I turn in the gas station, I'd say, fill with oil and check the gas. (laughs) Remember the past in order to appreciate the present. Absalom had 10,000 with him, and they want to kill David. It's bad enough when one person is threatening you, but 10,000, that's hard to swallow. And what did David do? Oh, he just took his pen out and started writing. His last will and testimony? <laughs> Not in your life. He was writing Psalm 3, verse 1. How are they increased in number those who trouble me? Many are they that arise against me. You see what happened. David has failed to win the youth of the nation. The older folks remembered what David did. But deceitful and charming Absalom had won the heart of the youth. Verse 2. David's enemies were saying that there is no salvation for him in God. Have you ever had the devil come to you? Has Satan ever come to you and says, look, there's no hope for you. There's no salvation for you. You're not good enough for God. Now I want you to tell him to stop and say, you are lying. You are the liar and the father of all liars. David committed adultery, but God's grace is greater than adultery. David committed premeditated murder of a loyal soldier, but as he repented and wept tears, he experienced the grace of God to be greater than all of his sins. There is salvation in the Lord. God's grace is like an ocean that knows no bound. And God's grace you can never exhaust. God's grace is greater than your sins. Come, experience it. I have seen the ungodly die without Jesus Christ. It is not a pretty picture. To the day I die, I will remember, this is many years ago now. We stood on the bedside of a dying man. We talked about Jesus. We told him about salvation. And he turned his back on God again and again. And finally he was dying and we stood by his bedside. He said, there's no hope for me now. I can't do that now. I'm going to hell. And he died. It's not a pretty picture. If you have not known the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord, as the Savior of your soul, I beg you today to do it. There is salvation in the Lord. Only in the Lord Jesus Christ. David's trial. But then there's David's trust which is the secret of his triumph. There can be no triumph unless there is a trial. There can be no testimony unless there is a test. There can be no conquest unless there is a conflict. There can be no crown unless there is a cross. 
And many people want to be used mightily by God. They want to do great things for God. And yet they refuse to pay the cost. They think that God can use them on easy street. All that I've read about the great men and women of God in past, every one of them had to pay a price. They went through hell on earth before they mounted to anything and being used of God in a mighty way. Anyone who excludes suffering from God's agenda is ripping the pages of the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Many are the afflictions of the righteousness, but that's not where it stops because God delivers them from all. That's the great God we have. Paul said, listen to what the great apostle said. He said, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall endure suffering. You're living righteously? No doubt you've been made fun of. You live righteously, you're probably mocked. You live righteously, most likely are persecuted. Don't panic the moment you get or find yourself under pressure. David trusted in the Lord so perfectly that he could sleep like a baby. Look what he said. He said, I went back to sleep. He said, I went to sleep and then I woke up. Can you look to treachery and betrayal in the eye and go to sleep? He already claimed the victory of God before he went to sleep. Verse 7, he said, you have smitten all my enemies. Wait a minute. What do you mean smitting all your enemies? David, you're sitting by the campfire with your friends, and the battle between your troops and Absalom's troops is not till tomorrow. What do you mean he has smitten them in the past tense? David had already celebrated victory. He says, God, you already have done it. It's a matter for me to see it. God, you have already broken the teeth of my enemy. They can't be even identified by their dental records. You know what? I have learned this the hard way, so please take it from me. If you try to battle on your own, and if you try to face the battle on your own, what God does, He lets you. He just lets you. But when you hand it over to Him, He gives you the victory before you even can see it. And you'll go to sleep. A story about the little ant who felt was imposed upon, overworked, overburdened, overwhelmed. You see, that ant was instructed to carry a straw, a big, long, heavy straw, across an expanse of concrete. And the straw was so large and heavy that the ant began to struggle, began to stagger underneath that load, underneath the weight, and felt that it can't survive. Finally, as the stress of that ant's burden began to overwhelm him, he began to wonder if life is worth it. The ant was brought to a halt right there by a large crack in his path. There was no way of getting across and going around the deep divide is going to be his undoing. And he was just at the point of giving up at the end of his rope sitting there discouraged, and suddenly the thought came, lay the straw across the crack of the concrete, use it as a bridge. You walk over it into safety and reach the other side. The burden that you're carrying can be a blessing if you trust in God. He can turn your burden into victory. He can turn your trials into triumph. Lord, you have broken the teeth of my enemy. We are blessed before the battle. We are blessed in the battle. We are blessed after the battle. Because we are the only army that was granted victory, that was pronounced victorious before a first shot was ever fired. We're surrounded by enemies 
but we are blessed. We're besieged by those who don't like what we preach, but we are blessed. Because I am a child of God, I can go to sleep, even when Absalom and his 10,000 are waiting outside. I could go to sleep because my daddy holds my tomorrow. If you have come to this place carrying a load, whether it be fear or guilt or loneliness, anger, bitterness, whatever it may be, to be sure nobody can see it but you and God, I believe the Lord would have you hand over this to him so he can turn your trials and your troubles into triumphs. Will you trust him? Will you confess to him, Lord God, I confess that I have carried burdens I have no business carrying. I hand them to you. I put them under the blood of Jesus that I may be cleansed. Turn a new leaf in my life for Jesus' sake. Will you pray with me? Father, we know that uh, the flesh and the devil are constantly conspiring to raise so many against us, especially Absalom and his soldiers. And we thank you for the life of David from which we can learn today that we can turn over to you whatever it is that is troubling us. We hand it over to you right now in Jesus' name. Teach us, Father, to fight to win. Teach us to be victorious and be warriors in spiritual warfare. Protect us from being victims that we may be victors for Jesus' sake. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.